Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. One and welcome to episode milestone episode, I might add, 150 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty and I am welcoming back my forever co-host of the show, Ryan. How the heck have you been? I've been good. Yeah, it's been a few months since my last recording back in the end of the summer. I'm just keeping busy. You know, I'm hoping it's going to be like riding a bike. I can just hop back on. I currently have my training wheels on, but I've got my wrench out to release those nuts. Rip them off real soon. (laughs) Yeah. It's great to have you back. You know, I was contemplating whether or not I was going to put out a Memory of Melody show specific to the Halloween spooky season about a month ago at this point. A couple weeks ago, I was planning on releasing that. But the more prep I did for it and getting all my notes ready, I just felt like it was... So disingenuous to the show and the community and just, I mean, I don't know. I didn't think it would be in good taste with you because episode 150 is a pretty rock solid number of shows and we've been doing the show for nearly five years now and I just felt like, you know what, forget it. I really appreciate everyone sending in the emails in anticipation of that episode, but I cannot record 150 without my forever dude. No, I, I was expecting if you're doing 150 with a Halloween episode, like you're going to either karaoke Halloween songs or you're going to jam out or something. But yeah. no, it's it's good to be back. I really appreciate you joining me. We have an action-packed show, as we typically do on a talk about others. If you're new here, we tend to talk about our weeks, everything that's been going down. For Ryan, we got to catch up on at least almost three months of stuff that he's been doing behind the scenes. Can't wait to pick his brain about that. We talk about the games that we've been playing each and every episode every time we get behind the mics and then we try to kind of sneak in a main topic of the show as well and so today since ryan and i have not been behind the mics for a while and game of the year season is here mm-hmm. which is a special time it's one of my favorite time times of the year it really is the best time of the year because I mean, besides the summer kind of festivals where we're hearing new game titles coming out i, I think the end of the year is the best one thousand percent, because not only are there fun announcements at the Jeff Keighley Game Awards here in, in a couple weeks in December, but it's an opportunity for everyone that plays video games to think about and reflect on the year that was all of the games that you played, all of the games that you beat and whittle and chip away that list of however many beats it was, whether it's two and a half games like Ryan, or whether it's, you know, 75 like me, Whoa! you try and curate your top 10 games of the year people it's the best of times it's a tough emotionally exhausting you know exercise to do but we love doing it every year and ryan and i also are going to be teasing here shortly what the rest of the year looks like for the otaku brothers podcast and the episodes we have coming down the pipeline but for today we are going to focus the main topic discussion on the game awards some of our predictions for the nominees and maybe just some of our predictions in general of what we'd like to see revealed or shown over the course of the ceremony. So it should be great times. We, of course, are recording this episode just a few days after Thanksgiving, if you celebrate the holiday here in the States. So hope everyone had a wonderful week with lots of good food, tasty beverages, and you were just kicking your feet up on this fine Sunday afternoon when you're listening to this episode, or maybe later in the week, playing some good games, maybe on a commute to work. I hope it finds you well. But 
I think it only makes sense to kind of bring the listeners up to speed because to this point, since August, I think I had my good friend in front of the show, Sean. Yep. On the show, we talked about a, a lots of good things. Had my wife, your sister, Lauren, on well, the I show. I thought that was a lackluster episode, bringing Lauren on for like the seventh time. Not a favorite of mine. Yeah, she's yeah, the worst. That was just okay, kind of mediocre for sure. We talked yeah. about our Switch PS4 backlogs. It was an okay time. Uh, probably wouldn't recommend doing it again. <laughs> and then we also had our good friend of the show, Zach Archer, mm-hmm. of the Tarkaron show. And we also most recently had our good buddy, Blink, on the show to talk about 3D platformers, all of the wonderful stuff he's doing out there on the internet. Some really good times. But Ryan and I, I think it was about three and a half, four months ago, called him over to the house. And we had one of those, some people call them come to Jesus meetings. Some people call them, I like to refer to them as getting real with Rusty and Ryan. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's hot. It's and not heavy. a new segment for the show, but yeah. No, yeah, it's exactly <laughs> getting right. real. That's right. You can help with therapy. And there were some things that I needed to talk to Ryan about, and I think there were some things that he wanted to get off his chest and 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 just come and be honest with me about. And it was tough. I think we went through two and a half Kleenex boxes mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. But really, the heart of the discussion was I wasn't seeing the progress I wanted to in Ryan's platinum trophy collecting journey. And I've come through hard. And so he needed to take a couple months off to really course correct, find himself, rediscover who he wanted to be. And I think I made some progress. I think you did. And I'm proud of you. And I thought, you know what? I think you got two Platinums. You're working on a couple others. I think it's time to welcome you back to the show. That's fair. I I thought that was going to be a hard hurdle to climb. Uh, I got my 10th Platinum. So I've turned the other cheek. And then my 11th, I hit hard with Sekiro. Mm. So uh, your favorite game, but of all time, I've I've had a great time with gaming in the last couple of months. That's good, man. I can't wait to hear all about it. But outside of that, what's been going down? How was your Thanksgiving? Please enlighten the good people. Good. I, I'm kind of glad Thanksgiving's behind me. So we had two th- or I at least had two Thanksgivings, um, one with you, you and Lauren and kind of both our families. And then we had my mom's side come in yesterday. So I'm kind of Coming down from the food coma, coming up with the caffeine high. So it's been a good season. I feel that. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you had a nice Thanksgiving. Your belly's nice and full, I, I imagine. It's very much full. Yeah. I, now I'm just, I have three weeks or so to prepare for all of the uh, Christmas festivities. That's right. Yeah. So for Lauren and I, we hosted this year for the first time uh, since we had gotten all the raccoons out of the ceiling and all of that nonsense that's been going on in our lives. We thought, you know what? We've had a heck of a year. Mm-hmm. How great would it be if we can host in our home? Uh, it's cozy. It's comfortable now. So we welcomed all sides of the family here. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Like I remember at one point I was going out to the garage because we have a fridge out there. My mom kind of came out with me and she's like, so on a scale of like, you know, one to 10, 10 being you're super stressed, one being you're not stressed at all. Where are you and Lauren at right now? And I said, honestly, like a two. I was like, we feel really good. Well, I thought having the dog at the parents really helped, especially with what, nine of us or 10 of us there. Um, and then I, I think having all of everyone who came or all the guests come that bring the side dishes and you just guys do the turkey is a huge weight off. Because I know when mom hosted stuff, it was she did a lot of the side dishes as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's not fun for the host. So I'm it's glad not, it was a two for you guys. Yeah, no, it was great. And uh, that is the key for anyone thinking about hosting or as host in the past. And maybe it didn't go as well as you planned. The key is 
you prepare the main dish and then you kind of what's just the, delegate you delegate thank yeah. you yeah if you're gonna be a manager someday you gotta learn to delegate <laughs> and delegation is key. roles and responsibilities get those r's and r's laid out get some asics in there and uh yeah exactly so delegation was key everyone brought a dish and a, a side or a dessert or whatever and uh, made for a great day yeah it was so, a lot of fun and i feel like it also flew on by because by the time we sat down for dinner and ate 15 minutes later i feel like everyone was out and about doing their own thing yeah, I mean, it, it was what one thirty after one thirty. You get there, we ate around three, so um, it, it was pretty quick to from appetizers to main dish to just us all chilling and talking and have a good a good time. And then, yeah, post meal flew by. It did, it did. But sure. Ryan, before we talk about the post meal festivities, what is the perfect combination bites? Like, you know, you get a little bit of the turkey, you dip it in the mashed potatoes and gravy, okay, I've you, got this. you dip it in the green bean casserole. What is your perfect bite? Okay. Before I answer, are you a dark meat or a light meat man? Um, I don't really have a preference, but I'd probably say light, like really the light turkey. Really? I always find light has the highest chance of being dry. That's probably true. Yeah. I like those fast twitch dark meat leg muscles. Mm. Mm, get me some drumsticks. Okay. So that's, I, I really, it's just a lot moister. Is, and that, in, is that a word you can use on a podcast? More moist. I don't know. We don't, we don't like using the M word around here. Okay. Well, it melts in your mouth. There you go. With uh, the other M word. The other M word. <laughs> yeah. So I really like dark meat. Um, and then I was kind of thrown off by your dad's stuffing with the spicy sausage. How was? Did you like it? I freaking loved it. It was yeah. great. But like my go-to bite is usually kind of just the plainer stuffing with mass, mashed potatoes, gravy, and some dark meat. Okay. So I didn't feel like the spicier sausage would mix well with those three. So it's fine. I had that at the parents' Thanksgiving, that that trio mm-hmm. of combination. But uh, the spicy sausage uh, stuffing was really good. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. It's my dad's, one of his best buddies, like kind of secret recipes. Great chef, always does it big for Thanksgiving. And so, yeah, my dad has this really delicious stuffing with a spicy sausage. I feel like you could eat, make that like outside of Thanksgiving as just a regular meal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's like a cash casserole almost. Good stuff. Well, wonderful. What would you say is the one thing you need to have on your plate at Thanksgiving aside from turkey and mashed potatoes? Those are, those are just a given. I really like the uh, green bean casserole that mm. my mom makes. Yeah. It, it's got green beans. So you got so that like check the box vegetable in there, but then it's got like fried onions on top and some, it, it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like cranberry sauce is hit or miss. I really like yeah. the cranberry sauce at yours. Um, Dawn's cranberry sauce mm-hmm. was really good. So I that. think that was homemade as opposed to like a can cylindrical just yeah. blob of whatever. Yeah. Don doesn't. Um, yeah. And then pumpkin pie with like a vicious amount of whipped cream. Okay. I feel like is needed, but the ice cream cake for Lauren's birthday was also really good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what, what, what's your go-to? My go-to. Your bite. My bite. I think really everything on my plate, I feel like has to somehow find a way on the fork. Okay. You know what I mean? So like if I have, let's just say, I have turkey, I have some mashed potatoes and gravy, I have green bean casserole, I have broccoli casserole, I have a little bit of corn, and if I haven't already said mashed potatoes and gravy, mashed potatoes and gravy. This is all one- One freaking Forkful. Oh, dude, yeah. 
Do you mix on your plate? Or are you a separate? I'm not a mixer. Like I don't want some like garbage pile. Just <laughs> yeah, like mix. Like what Chipotle bowls turn into. Yeah. <laughs> You're no. like every bite tastes the same. There's definitely a method to the madness, but okay. come on, don't do that. That's just messed up. Okay. So then what is, I'm thinking logistically how you get all of that on your fork. So what's the first thing you stab and then turkeys the base as kind of like a, first thing a bookend? I, first thing you stab is the turkey. All really? Right. Yeah. Okay. You, you just, you need a little bit of meat. You don't need a ton. Okay. You take a little bit of the meat, you dip into the mashed potatoes and gravy. All right. And you might need to kind of poke it down a couple of bits because you need to get the, the turkey deep into the fork to ensure. You have to spear it. You have yeah. to spear the turkey because you, you can't just rub it around in potatoes. Well, you, it's, you need optimal space on the fork for the other ingredients. Yeah. Right. And so you get the turkey, you get the mashed potatoes and gravy. Then you go for like one of the casseroles. It doesn't matter the order. It's either green bean or broccoli because you, then you're going to go right after the other casserole. Okay, so are you going all the way up the tongue on the uh, the turkey? Or are you doing, that's the end that kind of holds everything on the actual fork? See, like all the, the listeners must have list Ryan's level of detail on the podcast because it doesn't matter who I have I'm on here. I'm curious because if you're going like five different things on one forkful, like... I have lots to learn in my eating technique. We'll do a demo exercise after this. Okay, you have leftovers. We'll, we'll work yeah, this we'll, out. we'll do a demo after this. But uh, just just know that I fit as much on that you fork like as you all. possibly can. Fair enough. And uh, it's just a party in the mouth every single time, every single bite. So, like I said, hope everyone else had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hopefully, you're coming down from all of the food comas and you're just chilling out, listening to this show, playing some good games. But Ryan, with it has been three months since I've last talked to you, you and I text every now and again, and yep. I know you've been playing a lot of good games, and it sounds like you've been watching some good shows, but I want to hear specifically what you've been beating on, the games you've been playing, some of those platinum trophies you've been working on too. Let me know. What's been going down in the gaming space for you? Uh, so there's a few games. I, I won't list them all out. Um, uh, we'll have more, I'll have more reactions, more for the game of the year type uh, conversations late in the future episodes, but... I really, I think it was maybe this year, Death's Door. Mm. I can't remember which actual show showed it. But basically, you're a bird with like a red lightsaber. And you're kind of an instrument of death to collect souls. And very much like Tunic, which is one of the other games I played as well. It's kind of that Zelda style. Like three main dungeons and then like go to final boss or twists and turns. But... It's just kind of what I wanted. Mm. That old, the uh, just Legend of Zelda type game. Like isometric top-down view. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're fantastic. The gameplay is solid. The storytelling's great on both Death's Door and Tunic. Um, Death's Door was my 10th Platinum. Nice. Um, so you had to beat the game, kind of do all the dungeons and collectible stuff. But then you, the hardest trophy to get on that Platinum was you have to beat the game with an umbrella. Which is basically like the weakest of the weapons that you can get. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually found the final boss to be easier with the umbrella versus like the giant master sword of death that I used on the original gameplay. Okay. Um, but definitely recommend both Death's Door and Tunic. Now, I don't want you to get into the details of which you like more, which you don't like more, because that kind of gives away game of the year stuff, but... Tell me, break down some of the other stuff. Like, obviously, with these types of indie games, I would expect the music to be kind of front and center. Tunic music, Death Store music, how is it? I think they're both great. Um, I'm not so much a music person as, like, I hear it more as atmospheric. Um, I loved all the battle themes that you had between 
I want to say Death's Door had maybe six or seven main bosses. Okay. Um, and then a lot of it was like in between surviving. It, it's kind of got the Dark Souls mechanic where you lose your stuff and you kind of have to go get it back. Um, but it's not one of those games that you really grind out or it's not meant to grind out souls basically. Okay. And then for the both of them too, is there like a general hub area or is it just one giant overworld like an old school legend of Zelda game? Uh, it's yeah, there really isn't an in tunic. There isn't really a hub. It's kind of, you beat bosses in different sections of the map and then they, once you beat it, it kind of like you get the pieces of the tri or uh, triforce. Okay. So it's kind of like that. And then that culminates to one central location, but you're not constantly going back and forth. Okay. So not a whole lot of, Metroid, of Metroidvania stuff or not as much of that. Um, but some, not too much unless you use teleportation. It, okay. It's kind of like God of War. Uh, the new ones where you use the tree as like a teleporting through as like a loading screen almost. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and then in Death's Door, there is more so a central because you're kind of, as this crow of death, you're sent from this organization to like, hey, this is your mission kind of thing. Mm. So you're talking to the agency of death. Okay. Basically. Well, good stuff. I mean, Tunic is probably more top of the list for me to play. I remember seeing the gameplay footage of Death's Door and it looked really, really puzzle heavy. Is that kind of what you found in Death's Door? Or did you find both of that? For no, not really. really? I didn't okay. find, I found the puzzles in Ragnarok far more puzzle heavy like oh, okay. and difficult. Okay. Whereas like this one, it's so intuitive. Like you're not going to be stuck on any of these puzzles. Well, have you met Arya Lewis 2011? I, <laughs> I, I wanted to say it nicely. I'm like, I think a third grader could get the puzzles in Death's Door pretty easily. Okay, so I, I think enough. it's... It's a manageable level when it comes to puzzles okay. that, you, that you wouldn't find hindersome. Okay. Good to know. And then I guess like time to beat, what are we, what are we clocking in at for these two games? I want to say they're both around 10 to 12 hours. Okay. So doable indie Perfect length length. games. Yeah. Good and deal. they didn't really overstay their welcome. Um, there's some end game tunic stuff that's, I mean, you'll like it. It's collecting different things oh, um, to get like final endings. Um, which I still have to do. I, I've beaten the final boss on Tunic. I just have to collect more shit to get kind of the ending ending. Okay. Um, but if you want the shorter of the two games, Death's Door pretty much wraps up uh, going through the game. Gotcha. And do you think you're going to go for Platinum and Tunic? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Really? Yeah. I just need to get back into it. Ragnarok. There was a few games that I wanted to knock out before Ragnarok. Uh, Sekiro's Platinum mainly because my coworker was going after it in his first playthrough of Sekiro. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to beat this before Ragnarok. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I've had this game for like two years. I'm barely there. And then he just starts knocking out endgame trophies. And I'm like, Shh. well, guess I have to power through. You can't have that. No, he actually still beat me. It was His trophy time was like 4.30 in the morning. He was grinding out the final trophy. And I'm like, well, to be fair, I texted him at work. And I was just like, dude. You win. You, you won this one. Well, so I recently added him on PSN as well. And to be fair, he is a dad, right? Yeah. He, he has like young ones, right? Yeah. I think he has two kids. Two kids. Yeah. And so I was looking at his trophy list and he was popping things at like 1230 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, one thirty in the morning. Like he is. Up. He has some weird times. Well, he he can't play those games in front of his kids. Dude, you got to teach him young. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, just the more blood and gore, the better. Seriously, sit him down, play Call of Duty, play Celeste, play Outlast. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he beat God of War at the Ragnarok in the same day that I beat it as well. So, oh, like, okay. he, he's he's pretty efficient for having kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope but, I can be. Someday. Yeah. Uh, but he is, like, Returnal and stuff. So, he has some hard games or harder Platinums to get. I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> I did, yeah, I'm the Mayo game I did download for uh, my 12th Platinum. My name is Mayo One. Did you get it yet? Not yet. Okay. I I guess I had to do Ragnarok first because coming on a podcast to talk about Ragnarok and being not completed, but having completed both the Mayo games is probably bad form on my gamer card. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other games besides that, I think one game we've kind of been playing both um, as this Pokemon season comes into, uh, I guess the next generation is Nexamon. Mm-hmm. And I originally played Nexamon Extinction on the Switch. Which is the second game. Yeah, the second game. And then you, I was looking at the trophies because you said, oh, dude, I love this Nexamon. I'm glad you recommended it. You're such, you're the greatest brother-in-law I could ever ask for. I don't know if I use those exact <laughs> And I was like, I know. Let me introduce you to more Pokemon likes. Yeah. And then I was looking at your trophies because I, I bought it on both platforms, the PlayStation and the Switch. I'm like, for having played an hour, he has caught zero pokemon or nexamon and then i realized i had a completely different game so Mm -hmm. i had to get it and uh it's kind of what you expect a good like a pokemon that you can platinum to be as far as trophy lists and then the writing is so much better Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. what what are your impressions of uh next month yeah so (laughs) that are going to be controversial (laughs) no not at all so i mean i think worth prefacing by saying like yeah so pokemon scarlet and violet came out performance issues galore clearly game freak did not have enough time to, to make this game because it sounds like underneath it there's actually a really great pokemon game um and the performance issues for many folks seem to not really deter from their experience necessarily i think there's some game breaking stuff occasionally but from the majority of the people that i've heard from and i've been watching our pal pete door play i've watched him stream over 10 hours of it and um it doesn't look like it's for me but he's enjoying it which has been great and I think it could be for us, and it's not so much the performance. I mean, I think it performance for like Jedi Fallen Order, some of those glitches made the experience so much better. They did, yeah. Um, I don't know if constant frame rate, which is kind of what I've been seeing is the main issue for performance, would be a lot of fun, unless I'm like glitched into the floor because of it and shot across the map. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the graphics on it is the hard part. Like even the first intro to the game like that flyby there's just so much pop in and just stuff that kind of deters me from wanting to play and i've always been a fan more so of the 2d versions of the game as opposed to the transition into 3d because it's kind of taken a performance not just performance but just kind of a quality dip in my mind Mm -hmm. that transition so once that's settled over the next six generations we'll uh i'll probably pop back in yeah, well, so let's focus less on the negative and more on the positive here. So Nexomon, it is spelled, for those that have never heard about it before, N-E-X-O-M-O-N. It is a shameless Pokemon ripoff. It definitely is very self-aware in what it sets out to do. It, it makes references to Pokemon. It breaks the fourth wall. The writing is just magical stuff. I mean, it is so good, and the developers knew exactly what they were doing. But what I want to talk about is... 
how much this game has opened my eyes to what I have kind of like been projecting or like wanting from a Pokemon experience that was just never going to happen. Yeah. So for me, whether I play Pokemon Scarlet and Violet or Sword and Shield or Sun and Moon or, or even Diamond and Pearl, which was kind of what Nexamon is closest to most recently. Yeah. Like what I've been desperately craving is to go into those games and have that experience I had when I first played Red and Blue. Or when I got Soul Silver and Heart Gold, or I played Ruby and Sapphire for the first time. It's really like an impossibility. And the reason is because I've been playing Pokemon for 20 years. Even though they've added 600 Pokemon since the original, like 151 or whatever, I always am going to know like 85% of the time the Pokemon I run into in the wild. Mm-hmm. Right. And in addition to that, Whether you like experience share or not, whether you can toggle it or not, regardless, we've beaten that drum umpteen times over. I feel like I'm just going through the motions and these more recent Pokemon games, right? Mm -hmm. Neximon is completely flipped that like experience on its head and it's giving me what I want. And I feel like I'm playing Pokemon red and blue for the first time all over again for a number of reasons. Every time I walk into the wild and I walk into the grass and I have these random encounters, and just inserting one little thing here, they're not necessarily random because when you walk into at least in a, in a grass area, the grass will shake. So you'll know where the Nexamon is. When you go into caves and stuff, it is random encounters. But regardless, every time I have a, an encounter, I never know what I'm going to run into. And I feel like in each area, it's more than just like a Weedle, a Metapod, and a Ratatata. Right. Like there's there's the variety of Nexamon that you run into at any given time is so different. And I feel like the level of detail and goofiness and (laughs) cleverness and design for some of these Nexamon is so ridiculous and funny and awesome that it it, again is is playing into that like childhood wonder of discovering a Pidgey or a Metapod or a Gengar for the first time in the wild. Right. Yeah. And what's really nice is next to each kind of Nexamon that you're seeing, it gives their rarity, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. So you have common, you have uncommon, you have rare, you have special, which there's, I think, five or six different starters you can pick. So the special ones are the starters. And then you have like a mega rare. Well, let me let me key in on that real quick. So what you just said, because people might have missed that. So when you encounter these Pokemon in the wild, it next to their name will show the rarity of their Pokemon, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's flagged as special, it means you're running into one of the many starter Pokemon or starter Nexamon that you can choose on the outset of your journey. So within the first hour of the game, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you can capture almost all of the potential starter Nexamon. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't get a few for sure. Mm -hmm. And like within the first patch of grass where it's either like in the normal games, Pidgey, Weedle, um, Furo or whatever in red, you you can get a mega rare. Like you're you're running around. Like I have 400 plus encounters in the game, just trying to fill up the Pokedex or the Nexa deck database, whatever. And you can catch all of the Nexamon in one game, which is really nice. I don't mm-hmm. have to buy two different variations. There's no trading. It, it's very simplistic and just hey, get these creatures. Do go through our funny story that has great and witty dialogue, um, and just have fun and. I do love all the models. Um, it, it's really nice. You can run into legendaries if you're lucky enough. Really rare. Um, it, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I've been having a blast. And the other thing I'll mention too, 
um, is for the first time since probably Pokemon Black and White on the DS, which I feel like it was the last Pokemon the game that gave me a really difficult time mm-hmm. and was challenging, is I fought the first gym trainer and I said, let's just see how hard this game is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the very beginning of the game, I had my starter. I did what you typically do, boosted him up to like level eight or nine, captured a couple random Nexamon just to kind of start building out my party of six Nexamon, walked right up to the gym trainer and just got annihilated. And I was like, all right, well, okay, maybe I have to grind a bit. Yeah. And I, I, you know, spent 30, 40 minutes grinding, got my party kind of boosted up a bit. And, and there is experience share in this, but the distribution of XP is not what it is in Pokemon. No, it's pretty much like 90% of the Pokemon that actually did the battling. Yeah. And then it's maybe distributed amongst the remaining five. So it requires you to do a bit more grinding, yeah. which is nice. But I'll tell you what, Ryan, you have this like little weirdo gizmo robot companion. Yeah. And he kind of just in a goofy way kind of guide you along and says, hey, you know, now we've cleared this area. We should probably go to this cave over here type of thing. Yeah. And I don't think it's a lot of people will criticize some first party PlayStation stuff like Horizon or even God of War for players giving you too much hints. There's not, none of that going on. I don't think. I don't even know if they gave you a tutorial on battling or catching. Yeah. It's pretty much just like, hey, I know this is a new game with like old mechanics. You might want to go over here. Yeah, to exactly. progress the story, But that's it. It's not. Hey, click A to do this. It's just like I don't feel like I'm mashing game. the A button for three hours before I actually start my journey. Right. <laughs> I mean, for Dragon Quest Builders, I didn't know you could run until I was ten hours in. So yeah, maybe that one was just a tutorial. Well, but, we've all yeah. we've all been there, not knowing you can run in games. Yeah. Uh, I, I did the same thing in Donkey Kong Country, but we're not gonna belabor the point here. Uh, what I do want to talk more and double click into though is when I finished the first gym. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like in this pallet town place. It's like, all right, now the real journey begins. And your little robot friend says like, hey, why don't you gear up, go to the, you know, the equivalent of the Pokemart, buy some potions, get some Nexamon balls, prepare for your journey because we have to go through that cave. Yeah. And I'm like, big whoop. It's, it's a cave, right? Like I'm probably going to go up, down, left, right. I'm going to be out of there in two seconds. It's not going to be that big of a deal. I don't remember the original cave that you go into in pokemon red and blue you probably know off the top of your head is it mount moon which is the one with the clefairies maybe yeah i think it's mount that sounds a little bit deeper in the game maybe it's the first one regardless you go through the forest first which is viridian forest and then you get to brocks and then you go right and then it's mount moon with all the moonstones the one that originally takes you or takes you to misty yes yeah okay perfect so that one i felt like i had that experience where I literally got out of that cave. My starter Nexamon was dead. Four of my other Nexamon were dead. I exhausted all my potions. I literally had one Nexamon left with like eight HP. And I'm like, you know what? I don't have enough time in my day nowadays to play and grind out Pokemon for 50 hours. But like every once in a while, I want to go back to that type of experience. And this is giving me that in spades. And what's really nice is each one of the battles. So like when you're grinding, it gives you gold. So there's a big emphasis on like buying Nexa traps or the equivalent of Pokeballs. So like it's a really big emphasis, especially because one of the end game trophies is collect all 310 Nexamon. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing and I've had a blast doing it is for each patch of grass or for each area, go through and see if I can catch everyone in the grass and then kind of slowly make my way through the game, collecting as many as I can. Um, which really helps kind of curb the difficulty. But yeah, going through that cave, 
Um, it doesn't use a PP system like Pokemon does, which yeah, is a right. number of moves before you kind of have to heal. Um, it's all stamina based, which is kind of how Temtem's system was. But this one's more forgiving than Temtem. Um, every time you level up uh, Nexamon, it actually fully restores everything. Which I love. It's great, especially for grinding. It's yeah. just a, such a good quality of life. It is. Yeah, so I'm really enjoying my time. I'm only about four or five hours in an Nexamon. Okay. Uh, beat the first gym, got to the second city, just been grinding. And again, like with each area, I feel like, I'm like, okay, so I got four or five Nexamon. I'd probably cleared this area. Let me just keep grinding. And then I find like two or three more Nexamon. I'm like, oh, I got to catch, I got to capture them too, right? So it's so fun. It's giving me, again, it's taking me back to when I was a kid again, playing those first three generation of Pokemon. If you've been hungry for that type of experience, consider picking up Nexamon. I'm not trying to shit on. It's the, 10 bucks too. I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not a new Pokemon game for 60 or 70. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to crap on everyone's love of Scarlet and Violet and you know everyone that's playing that game right now. I'm just saying. If you're looking to kind of go back to those 2D roots, really reminds me of the GBA DS era Pokemon. Pick up Nexamon. You can get it on PlayStation, Steam, Switch, probably Xbox as well. You can get the first and second game for probably 30 bucks. Yeah, no, it's a great experience. I mean, our complaints and I mean, just listening to Pete's kind of going through the main start in the game is this is voice acted for at least some of the story bits mm-hmm. or between after gyms. It's kind of like, hey, this shit's going down by the narrator yeah. or even the intro you have like the lore is like told with actual a voice actor, um, which gives more depth. And it's not like every scene is voice acted because it doesn't really need to be um, kind of like Monster Hunter stories is like the main story moments are voice acted and everything else is just grunts. Yeah. Which I'm completely fine with. Of course. Uh, we listen to Kratos grunt for 30 hours. So what's next on grunting? Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely it, it it's. Definitely tickled that nostalgia for mm-hmm. both of us. Yeah. No, I think it's been great. Um, so best brother-in-law, there's a whole lot of words you use there. I, I don't know. If I, I <laughs> a lot of lies and blasphemy. Go down that path. But great recommendation. Like, I remember when you originally came over probably a year and a half, two years ago, and you had Nexamon on the Switch. And like, play this. And I'm like, I just, I just feel like a Pokemon Light, just a dime a dozen, right? But this, the, the level of polish in this game is, is it's great. It's so impressive. It's yeah. so impressive. Um, so check out Nexamon. I've been really enjoying my time with that. But um, anything else on your list other than God of War? Uh, no, not really. Um, I just have some shows that I've been watching. Um, do you want to go through your games? I can list my shows after. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll quickly kind of rattle through some other stuff. So coming away from my episode with Blink, where we talked about kind of our road to 100 Platinums, thinking about what we're going to get. Um, did some kind of trophy hunting work. Won't go too into detail on this, but... Um, one of the games that I talked about on the road to 100 was Dark Souls Remastered, Mm -hmm. which you obviously helped me a tremendous amount collecting everything. You know, it's so wild when Ryan came over here and I was getting the final trophy, which was basically the second ending. Yeah. yeah, If you haven't played Dark Souls one, there are two endings. And so I needed to build a character to kind of get to the very end as fast as possible. There are very few games that I can think of that are of this scope and size that if I was guiding someone and saying, helping them get trophies or just get to the end of the game where I could be like, take a right here, then go straight about 10 paces, then take another left. And then you're going to have to backpedal a little bit here. And there's going to be a guy on the right here you want to look out for. But I swear (laughs) 
when I had the controller in my hand playing Dark Souls, that is exactly what Ryan was saying to the nth degree, knew where every boss guy was, knew where every side guy was that was going to give me trouble, the hidden paths, it was ridiculous, made for getting that platinum um, as easy as it possibly could in a Dark Souls game. Yeah, I want to say my platinum took over multiple characters, um, maybe 50 hours, I want to say, 50 to 60, and I think we did your platinum in 20, 23, um, so we were pretty efficient, we yeah. uh, we kicked ass. We did, for yeah, sure. so kudos to you, thanks to you, Got that was my 89th platinum, mm-hmm. and then, um, oh no, 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 I think that was 88, and then one of the other series that I wanted represented in my Road to 100 was the Uncharted series. Mm-hmm. And a more recent one that I got really close to getting the Platinum on was Lost Legacy as part of the Legacy of Thieves collection that came out earlier this year on PS5. And that was an H, uh, that was a PS5 remaster of sorts of both Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy. Definitely worth playing. So I went through those as well. Oh, so good. Excellent stuff. And without really trying a whole lot, I got most of the trophies in Lost Legacy. So I thought... What a brilliant game. One of my favorites in the entirety of the series. Probably top three for sure. Or top, maybe even top two. Um, let's get the platinum in that. Well, I had a few additional trophies to grind out. And I'm grinding them out. I'm grinding them out. And I get all of the trophies I need except for one final playthrough on critical difficulty. So I'm like, okay, let me just do one last look at the trophy list. And I was like, wait a second. The top trophy I've already gotten and the only trophies under that that I haven't gotten are the one on critical playthrough. I'm like, what's going on here? Well, come to realize PSA for anyone that wants to get the platinum and lost legacy. You can do that in the base PS4 game, but as part of the legacy of thieves collection, it's basically seen as one giant trophy list between uncharted four and lost legacy. So I have to get all of the trophies in both games to unlock a singular platinum. And for anyone who doesn't know, Uncharted 4 trophy list is insane. Brutal. Yeah, it's like speed running the game, beat the game with like 70% accuracy. It's a lot, right? And I was like, it, there is no way I'm doing this. We looked it up. It was 0.6% chan- or completion for the Platinum. And Monster Hunter, which I'm 500 hours in and still have six trophies left, is 1.2. So double. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a lot, and I was like, you know, that's just too much for me. Um, The only reason why I never went back and got the Platinums in the first three games were because of the critical playthroughs, which is the hardest, or not critical, I'm sorry, I'm thinking Kingdom Hearts, crushing difficulty. Yeah. Um, The only reason why I never went back and got those Platinums was because I didn't want to play Uncharted on crushing difficulty. But I thought, you know what? This is doable. Throw in a podcast. It's going to be trial and error. Let's do it. And only took me... I don't know, five, eight-ish hours because I'm so familiar with those games. And I got the Platinum. Number 89 was on Uncharted 1, Drake's Fortune. Yeah, it's a good game. So that was a good time. Good one to have. And then I got the Platinum in God of War Ragnarok. That was my 90th Platinum. So we'll get to that in a second here. But I want to mention two other games before I do. So you know me. When I watch a movie series, when I watch a TV <laughs> show... I have to get every other adjacent video game related to that 
realm of storytelling, mythology, franchise, whatever it is. Yeah. Right? I do. Yeah. And so God of War Ragnarok, as we'll get into here shortly, I went so hard on that game. Yeah. Stirred something in your loins and you were ready to go for to Valhalla. Oh my gosh. For for real. <laughs> and, and, and because I was so ready to go to Valhalla, I actually went back you to did. Valhalla <laughs> <laughs> in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So last year, if folks will remember, this was basically the Assassin's Creed game that got me back into the series. It t- started him down a dark path. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, I can't wait to talk game of the year stuff. It's going to be like seven Assassin's Here's Creed. Here's Assassin's games. Creed one through six, which I completed the first two months of the year. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll get there eventually. I don't want to spoil anything. But Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I beat it last year, put about 80, 85 hours in. Wanted more of the Norse goodness, so I'm going back, and I have been going back over the past week, grinding out trophies, getting all the collectibles, doing all the side quests, and eventually dipping into the DLC as well. And I have been having such a good time. That's good. So I'm trying to get you to play Valhalla because I really think you'd like it. I, I'm thinking maybe next year. Um, I have some cl- lots of cleanup, which we'll talk about later at the end of the show for games that I want to have for game of the year stuff. Mm-hmm. And coming off of a 35, I think I have 45 hours in Ragnarok. I need to put the RPGs away for like a game or two. Yeah. But it's on my list. I, I see you playing all these Assassin's Creed. I'll eventually get into one again. Yeah, Valhalla, I think it'd be the one to get you in. I mean, seriously, I've just... Really been enjoying just hopping on my Viking ship, sailing to the next location where all the collectibles are, hearing all of the songs that they sing while you're sailing the seas. It's it is really just that kind of chill experience. I mean, even though you're like you're ripping through guys and you know, I mean that's an, what another game is a game or another day as a gamer is just ripping through and blood and gore and just being a Viking. Exactly. Oh gosh, Dude, how hard is the so platinum for that? Oh, it's brutal. Is it? it? Yeah, I mean, it is not for the faint of heart. I mean, is it collecting that's brutal or is it? difficulty or not difficulty it is definitely collecting um this i don't want to be you know hyperbolic right now but like i think this would be the platinum i'd probably be most proud of looking back on my 100 unless i get kingdom hearts one given the level of effort that's going to go into it but is it like double the time to beat the game level of like to collect I know it's a massive freaking game. Yeah. Uh, does it require, the, is there DLCs that it would be required for the Platinum or is it just on main game? Yeah, it's just main game. Okay. Um, But just the level of effort that goes into it. And even when you collect things, it's not like, hey, go to this area in the map and pick up this treasure. It's, hey, go to this level in the map or area in the map. There's this piece of gold and you use this kind of like Odin vision where you can kind of see through the environment and understand where the true collectible or treasure is. Mm-hmm. And you recognize, okay, I'm here, it's marked here on the map, but it's actually underground. So what I have to do now is find a hidden entrance into a cave, navigate my way through, probably solve a puzzle to be able to actually get to the thing. So for me, it's just nonstop collecting, but I have to solve a lot of puzzles to actually get there. So it's it's a challenge, but nine times out of the t- out of 10, I don't even need to pull up a guide. Like I just, all right, Rusty, what do I need to do here? It, it kind of reminds me of the Pathless okay. that I played on PlayStation where it's like, they only have so many tools in their tool belt for how this puzzle is going to be solved. Right. Yeah. And it's one of these three things. That's good. So let's just go down the list. Maybe I get to the third thing and it's like, yep, that's it. Get the collectible, move on to the next one. 
And I'm sure there's guides at this point for all of the... Literally everything. Okay. Yeah, there, there's detailed videos, screenshots, whatever you need. Um, it's it's out there. So, uh, which of, I've, of course, been leveraging heavily because... I'm sure. There's a lot of stuff to find and do, but I've been enjoying it quite Good. a bit. Um, I'll probably save the next couple of things because I haven't really started playing them for the end of the episode where we'll talk about kind of our plans of what we hope to play and clean up by the end of the year. But Valhalla really been enjoying it, especially coming off the heels of God of War Ragnarok. But Ryan, I want to preface by saying before we get into the discussion, we're not going to get into any spoilers. Ryan and I at a later date are going to do a spoiler filled discussion of God of War Ragnarok, sharing all the finer details of the story and our thoughts about all that kind of stuff. But today we're going to keep it pretty general, pretty light, not mention anything related to the story outside of like, I think everyone should know at this point it's about Kratos, Kratos and Atreus. Um, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Okay. I, I know people are surprised, uh, but yeah, no story bits, nothing. Just generally speaking, Ryan coming away from the experience, you've rolled credits. Mm-hmm. Did it meet your expectations? What did you think? I, I think we agree overall. So the first three, games really laid the foundation of Kratos and his badassery in the old pantheon. Um, And we really liked the 2018 game. I mean, it it was great change of the characters. And I I think the first three walked so God of War 18 could run. So this one could fly with Mm. all the character progression. Yeah. I, I really liked what they did with pretty much every character in the game mm-hmm. um so yeah a lot of fun yeah no i would agree entirely and you know my experience with this game and the 2018 version i think are kind of unique and i think this is playing into why i went so hard on this game so just to kind of remind people for those that don't know what my experience was playing god of war 2018 i guess i'll first remind the people of your experience you know life did i mean i remember going over to your place <laughs> yeah you picked it up I watched you play like the first six to seven hours in your apartment. Yeah, I think it took a half day, which is really rare as an adult that I find a game that I want to take a half day on. Um, Friday, I think it put six hours and then pretty much the rest of the week until I finished it or rolled credits. I Yeah. You played it to completion. It, it's hard because there's so many spoilers out there, even just on the YouTube shorts, just scrolling through random, just that without any spoiler tags or anything, just throws out, hey, you know X, Y, and Z, and you're like, shit, I have 10 hours before I potentially have that revelation. Yeah. So I tried to do the same. I luckily didn't get spoiled at all for this one. Mm -hmm. I was so glad, but yeah, what about you? You you were- Yeah, so my experience with 2018 was interesting in the sense that I watched you play the first six hours. Um, I don't really remember when I picked it up necessarily, All I know is that I didn't end up really playing it until 2020 when I streamed it, which was, in my opinion, the worst way for me personally to start playing it. Because at the time I was still learning the ropes of Twitch and understanding how to engage with your audience and and how to balance focusing on the game versus paying attention to the chat versus, you know, worrying about audio balancing in a game that gets pretty intense at times. And so it really took me out of what that experience is meant to be, where you're so in tune with what the characters are saying. Yeah, because you miss... It talk, trying to talk to chat and stay engaged when you have Mamir spouting out lore that's important to that character building. Because Mamir's what, probably one of the greatest parts of these games is having 100%. your little leg head or uh, you're just your head on a belt. Mm-hmm. And all the lore and things that 
he talks to and gives you crap and those relationships is, are hard to build on stream. He's kind of sure. like a little angel over your shoulder, always trying to have, give that voice of reason. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. um, but not afraid to give you shit when you did it too. No, I mean, it's, he, I mean, I don't remember the last angel on my shoulder that started swearing at me for doing stupid shit. Yeah. Amir <laughs> um, would. That's exactly right. And so I stopped streaming it after like maybe one or two streams and I started playing it off stream and I got maybe 10 hours into it and the puzzles were just frustrating me. And I'm like, screw this game. I'm not enjoying it. Plus, I already have the ending spoiled for me. Whatever. Yeah. And again, this is already two years after the hype of the initial release too. And then a year later, in the last year, 2021, I picked it back up from where I left off. Didn't restart from the very beginning of the game. So I had 10 years or, or 10 hours of the game that I kind of had forgotten about. Yeah. But we're kind of still sitting vaguely in the back of my mind of what happened. And then I played the, the next 20 hours of the game, finished it, and it still ranked high among my favorite games of the year. Mm-hmm. So very disjointed experience. I didn't play it initially when it released. So I wasn't really caught up in the launch hype and initial discussions and conversations with your friends or, you know, following spoiler casts online with the, the general news media and all that kind of stuff. So I did not have the authentic experience with God of War 2018 that I think is intended. Yeah, right? no, not at all. And and so coming into Ragnarok, I'm like, I need to kind of right the wrongs of my past and with God of War, and I need to just sit down and experience this game. And so... Because very much with Ragnarok, you did the same thing you did with Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. It's like you were up until like three in the morning some yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And so completely no-lifed it. Um, I don't remember when exactly I rolled credits. It was about a week after the game released, um, but yeah, for the first time in a long time since probably um, The Last of Us Part Two, like Lauren and I have gotten to the habit over the past year of just like going to bed at the same time. We'll throw on The Office. We'll throw on Boy Meets World. We're playing Switch. We go to bed at the same time. But there were a string of like five to six days where I'm like, Lauren, I I just got to keep playing this. Like I, I, I can't stop. Like I, I'll see you tomorrow at some point. Yeah. Like I was just playing until like 11, 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then there were multiple times too, or every time I turned the game on. And this is unlike me nowadays. I would say most of the time, even if I have the volume turned down, I'll have a twist stream in the background yeah. or a podcast while I'm or playing a, a game or whatever, whatever. Not once. I ground out the platinum. It took me an additional 20 hours after finishing the game, getting all the collectibles, doing all the side quests, yada, yada, yada. Never once did I have a Twitch stream up, a podcast, because I wanted to be so in tune and I never wanted an opportunity where a character would say something to another character and I'd miss it. Yeah. No. And and I think that is how you have to play this game. You can't have distractions. You've got to be locked in. And that is why, I mean, right now it is a standout no-brainer my game of the year like it just stands high and above everything else i've played this year including games prior to 2022 that i've played and beaten i mean and not only that let me actually read my beat tweet really quickly because i think that kind of just really captures and 240 characters or less um my thoughts so what i ended up saying for the good folks over there on polykill my beat tweet says the journey in The journey of father and son continues with this thrilling and emotional sequel, one that consistently surprised and challenged me. I couldn't put the controller down. God of War Ragnarok is not just a game of the year contender. It's one of my favorite games ever. And I truly believe that. Obviously, there's some recency bias that plays a part in that just because 
I finished it. I rolled credits. I allowed 24 hours to kind of think about it, allow it to simmer and think about all the twists and turns and highs and lows and whatever else. But I was just like, you know, I came away from this game and in, in a similar way, like when I just took a walk after playing Journey yeah. or I walked away from the original Last of Us and I'm like, oh my gosh. Or I walked away from The Walking Dead season one, Telltale's, you know, season yeah. one. Like that Bioshock Infinite, like those types of games where it's just like, oh my gosh, I just need to talk to someone about this. <laughs> I need to decompress. I need to think. I need to just let emotions out. Like that's what this game was for me. No, I, I think that, yeah, it, it's probably maybe not game of the year. I, I have to go back to some of the other ones because it's, I mean, you have Elden Rings, you have the tunics and stuff that it's been a long time, but it's easily top three that I've played this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to have to take, I'm trying to get the recency bias out as well mm-hmm. um, for my evaluation. I'm going to have to go through Elden Ring again, just to be like, yeah. was it as great as I remember back in what, February or March? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the character development, the, the combat from last game, it, it proves upon that it's, it's strong. You, you feel like a God of war. Oh yeah. Um, and the story is great. There's one part. I mean, I think that's a common complaint between you and your friends is there's one part in the middle. That's a little bit slower that kind of takes you out for a second, but you quickly, after that, you're basically on a a roller coaster with no brakes or a train mm-hmm. with no brakes. So. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that we could probably talk about with, again, not getting into spoilers is, you know, where are your thoughts at around the pacing of the story in the first game versus the second game? Because for me, it's difficult for me to speak to that because I, I played it in so many split parts. Mm-hmm. You played it obviously beginning to end in a very short manner and I'd even argue even Ragnarok. I mean, you beat it within two weeks of release. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the pacing of the first game of story versus the second? I feel like there is not more fetch quests. The first game or 2018 was far more linear. It it was the entire premise of the game is you have Kratos, you have Atreus, and then you have your mom who passed away off screen before the game even starts. And her last wish was to be released on the highest mountain in all the realms. Yeah. And the entire journey is to do that. Get there. Yeah. And, um, you have growth kind of establishing the father-son relationship, um, kind of Kratos' upbringing of, one, he killed his dad. He doesn't, he's never had that father figure who hasn't tried to kill him back, so yeah. probably not the most healthy. And then figuring out how he becomes better as a father, knowing how not to, basically. Um, there's lots of red herrings on that path, and some of them do feel fetch questy. It, it's been a few years since I've played, but... Yeah. Um, I felt like this one based off of kind of the culmination of where you expected it to go based off just the title of the game. Um, it, it did well in breaking up a linear journey. Mm-hmm. I, I, there were some twists and turns that allowed it to change up the gameplay enough that it didn't feel super linear. Yeah. The, the environments were linear for the most part. Um, but yeah, I did like how they kind of did the story in this one better than the first. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I felt like the first one in many, in many instances where I kind of was just like, I get it. Leviathan acts is great. This is wonderful. But like, I don't want that to just be an excuse to go through 50 more rooms of just bashing these 
mindless enemies to get to the next story beat. Like I kind of just want the story fed to me right now. Right. Yeah. And I think there's maybe some of that in God of War Ragnarok, but I feel like the story was just so much more captivating in this one than the first one because there's, and maybe it's because this one, I went into it not knowing was around the corner mm-hmm. when in God of War 2018, I kind of knew where we were going. Yeah. I want to say in the first one, like there's a lot more of guided cutscenes, not like full on cutscenes, but kind of guided cutscenes in this one. Whereas in the 2018 game, it was more hallways to a combat and then to a story thing. Mm-hmm. It was that it had more formula in 2018 versus this one. Yeah. Um, I, I have heard that as a complaint that it's like watching not to like uncharted levels. Uncharted is more like cutscenes shoot like 400 people as a mass murder that Nathan is. Yeah. And then go to another cutscene. But this was more cutscene guided cutscene and then some combat. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, that's your preference. Yeah. I, I think it turned out well. I enjoyed it. I loved the, the conversations that kind of solidified those cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was phenomenal. I think Santa Monica's writing team, everyone there deserves a raise. I mean, there were just so many moments and so much dialogue that I really, I, I literally was scribbling down on paper or opening up a tab, a note sheet and just writing it on my, on the computer just because it's so rich and it's so authentic. And I felt like it was just so human. Like mm-hmm. things that were just so applicable to really anyone's life. I don't care what chapter you are in your, what season of life you're in, parent, kid, wherever you're at. I felt like this game just kind of meets you there. Yeah. I mean, the number of times I've said death can have me when it earns me. Yeah. It, it really relates to my life as the God of War yeah. at my current work. Well, you're kind of being a dick, but no. <laughs> no, it, it really does. It's. There's moments in the game that one payoff conversations from the 2018 game that like make you tear up because you're like, I didn't know that character had that ability to show that emotion Mm -hmm. or even to feel that way. And like to see it portrayed, you're like, oh, God, that's so good. Yeah. Um, And and it's not specifically segmented to like the end half of the game. Like they, they are scattering that through the first half and then it's. Once you get on that kind of end game roller coaster, they really pick up those like, oh, am I tearing up about a a jacked dude and his son? It's on another level. It's great. It's on another level. It really is. So uh, I can't wait till more people roll credits because um, I hope it gets to a point where we can somehow talk about it in the discord. If nothing else, you know, you and I will do our spoiler cast and it'd be really interesting to find a way as part of that spoiler cast to get feedback from the community. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of have people send in their 240 characters or less or, you know, have prompting questions and, and have people just send in their their thoughts. Because I'd, I'd love to get the community involved in this because I just think there's just so much to unpack. And I feel like while it is a very linear experience um, overall and everyone's going to get the same story and the same ending, I feel like the interpretations or the feelings that people get coming away from it are going to be different. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to hear. Especially for where you are in your life. Yeah. I know Ethan, a uh, friend of the show. Is he considered friend of the show at this point? Uh, I don't, I think he's listened to maybe nine episodes. Okay. He so kinda, he's still working on that title. Semi coming acquaintance of the show. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll use um, he was saying he was going through the first game, like as he was having his daughter mm. or like, I think right after he had his daughter. So like, kind of he lived through Kratos and he lived through um, like the last of us differently than I would have Mm -hmm. not having any kids to kind of relate that like sacrifices and things you have to make 
in within those stories. Yeah. So yeah, it'd, it'd be interesting to hear what the community has to say. Yeah. So we'll we'll have to figure out maybe in January um, between our game of the year stuff and maybe our most anticipated do a Ragnarok spoiler cast and get the the community involved because I think that'll be a lot of fun. But um, all that being said, Ryan, you've got two shows. You've been itching. You're sweating over there. You want to talk? I about am. It? Yeah. This room, I, it's changed a little bit since I've been here last. You got a fan, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that would pick up on the recording, but it, it's not as warm as I remember. Yeah. Probably because Ohio weather is just fickle. It's yeah. all hell and it's cold now. Um, but yeah, it, it's good. I do have two shows. So one, Ethan, acquaintance of the show, mm-hmm. got me into. And I the main complaint with the first couple Star Wars movies is the politics, right? It's space politics, and it just drags on. You mean like the original trilogy? The original, yeah. yeah. Like maybe one and two, I think, where you get in the Senate. Well, it gets Palpatine. even... It gets... Okay, yeah. One through three, not the yeah, original one through, trilogy. You, yeah. yeah. I mean... Yeah, when you get into the rebellion and stuff, it's basically like, hey, we're going to blow up this giant sphere. Yeah. But yeah, like the first three, the Phantom Menace, the Sand one. And For then, sure. Yeah. Um, it's done poorly and it, it drags on. But there's a show on Amazon Prime called The Expanse. And I am loving the crap out of it. It's Ethan's favorite series. Um, Do you know if he's watched Lost? Probably not. I think he has. No, he probably hasn't. Because if it's I mean, if his favorite's The Expanse, it means he hasn't watched Lost. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you can only have one opinion that's right. And that's right. And it is Lost is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, the Expanse is basically you have Earth, which is kind of the main foundation of humanity. You have Mars, which is kind of like our colony of Earth. And okay. then you have the asteroid belt, which is kind of just like resource gathering. But you have three very distinct sets of people. And they get into kind of the dynamics you would have, the resentments, the geopolitical, the political. And then on top of that, Laced is kind of a sci-fi type feel. Okay. Um, You follow one crew around and it quickly grows. And it's just, I don't want to spoil anything, but it is worth watching. There's six seasons. The first three were made by Sci-Fi Channel. Mm -hmm. And then the... Uh, four through six were made by Amazon. So joking aside, I really would be curious to know if Ethan's ever watched, and I still want you to watch, is Firefly. I have not. Very no. limited series. Nathan Fillion, Joss Whedon directed. It got canceled after the first season, and they eventually went on to make a movie to kind of bring closure to the character arcs and story in a movie called Serenity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, it's so, it's phenomenal. It's so good. Uh, I still feel like to this day, not enough people have seen it. Uh, one of my favorite things is getting people to watch it and go through it. Like like my dad, when he went through it, my sister l- l- taking Lauren through it uh, and then sitting down and watching Serenity, the movie, after the fact. It's so good. So I'd be curious when you eventually watch Firefly <laughs> because it's such a tight experience with yeah. the one season in the movie, how it would compare to The Expanse. But I mean, so The Expanse, break this down to me. So six seasons, is this like 10 episodes a season or where are we at? I think it's like 12, 13 a season, and they're pretty long episodes. I okay. think they're 45 minutes to an hour, which it, it's a lot of content, but it doesn't feel like filler that's for good. any of it. That's good. And it's hard to do with hour-long episodes for six seasons. But they follow, unlike The Witcher on Netflix, they follow the books and the original lore like almost to a T. Dude, I'm so glad Liam Hemsworth is taking over the role for Geralt. You know, you, I just... 
I missed Superman as Superman, and I'm, you know what, Henry Cavill, he sucks. Who wants that bulky, beautiful man as the Witcher? I wouldn't. No. He's worst. not my Witcher. No. <laughs> Hashtag not my Witcher. <laughs> no, I... Yeah, it, it it's good. It, it's worth watching, for okay. sure. No, I, I do want to check it out. Ethan's said nothing but good things about it for years, and I just haven't gotten around to checking it yeah, out. Yeah, I'm kind of on a sabbatical because he wants to see my reaction to the last three episodes. We've watched basically all of season three together. Um, and I have three episodes less left, and then he can let me off his leash of watching it with me, okay. so I can binge again. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good watch for sure. Okay, cool. And the next one I'm, I'm particularly curious about because it's it's kind of the follow up to one of your favorite shows on Netflix. Yeah, I think my top five, like within my top five series of all time, is Dark. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the director's name, but it's the same director as this one that was just released. I think on the 18th. Um, Dark is three seasons. It was written for three seasons, so it has basically no holes in the story. Unlike the now prequel or uh, sequel uh, stories for Star Wars, which were all disjointed and not written to be like a cohesive three movies. Mm -hmm. This one was purposely written to be three seasons. Okay. Um, which is great because uh, like shows nowadays, you don't know if they're going to be canceled after one. So they write them to like have clear endings if they were to cancel it on a whim. Yeah. Um, but they took the risk and basically said, Hey, we're doing three seasons of this. Okay. So it's great. Watch dark. And then if you want an equally trippy kind of craziness, uh, 1899 just came out. It's on Netflix. It's eight episodes. They're about 45 minutes to an hour as well uh, per episode. And I don't want to give it away, but I guess what they show you in the trailer is you, you kind of have a ghost ship. You have two ships. You have the Prometheus and then the kind of the main ship that you're on. Um, you're trying. It's a group of people who are going from England to America. Okay. And one of the ships goes dark and they end up finding that ship. And then basically craziness goes from there. When you say go dark, did it sh- uh, just sink or they, something? There's no response for basically four months. Okay. And they get on the ship and there's no one there. Okay. Got it. So you're trying to figure out like what the hell actually happened here. Yeah. And then it, it ends in a way that it could either cut it there and have um, for like inception, you have that dreidel or top at the very end. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, is it teetering kind of thing? It ends in a way that you're like, okay, they could do that kind of theatrical stylistic ending or they can continue to like finish out these lines or these storylines or characters. Okay. Um, I, I'm leaning towards the latter where they're going to have multiple seasons, but it's a crazy freaking ride. It's, okay. I wanted to figure out a movie that I could say it's closely related to, but anything that I would get or say would kind of give away crazy turns. Okay. Just watch it. Yeah. And yeah. But trippy, kind of like Inception. Yeah, pretty much. Well, good stuff. I need to get around to finishing Dark because I think I got through maybe season two-ish and I never wrapped it up. Uh, Not for lack of enjoyment. It's so good. That one's worth watching again, one through three. Yeah. Because- it ties together so well and like because it's all about time travel you have multiple versions of the same character yeah so you're gonna be like whose face is that because the the if you haven't looked up the tree for those characters through time 
It's a spider web. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, check out Dark. Check out 1899. And please, for the love, check out Firefly and Lost, people. All right? I feel like I plug Lost like every time we yeah. record this. I still thing. have your seasons one through three, which I need to binge. You do. You do, as does everyone else. But while you're, you know, finding your old Lost DVDs and getting them out of the closet, we're going to take a quick little break before we go into the main topic of the show, where Ryan and I are going to be talking and breaking down the rest of the games we plan to play for the remainder of the year, kind of as we start to build out that game of the year list. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the game awards, our predictions and expectations going into that show, Ryan. You ready for that? Oh, I'm so ready. All right, let's do it. Ryan, we have two possible places that we can start. Do you want to start with the Game Awards discussion, kind of breaking down our expectations, hopes, and dreams, or do you want to talk through kind of the rest of the year plans as we start building out our Game of the Year list? Yeah, let's do uh, games left to play Game okay. of the Year first. So what, what are you thinking on still continuing to be or work on as you start to think about what your top 10 games are? Well, it's end of November, so we only have, what, a couple weeks at most to kind of wrap up everything before we start getting into thinking towards next year. Yep. Um, I don't have too much that I want to play left. I'm maybe two-thirds the way through Mario Galaxy, which oh, yeah. I'm loving. Um, I want to say I have nine stars left to get to the final world. So I want to wrap that up on... I played that on my vacation in July. That's right. Um, but I want to play the remainder of it actually in docked mode so I can play the music full mm. blast. Oh my gosh. Um, to get that experience. So I want to finish that up. That shouldn't take too long, maybe five more hours or so. Um, not enough to fill two weeks. Um, I was seeing Stray being nominated for a shit ton of things, almost as much as Elden Ring, if not more. Um, so I feel like I have to play that to just be within the discussions and end of the year. Um, so that'll be an interesting one. And then I think the only other game that I really have to finish out is Elden Ring. Mm -hmm. So I I went through and so much has changed when it, when it comes to like scaling and stuff. But I want to say I have two bosses left to actually go through the main story. Um, I played through the main story basically to that same like two bosses before the final boss like three or four different times just to get all the different endings for trophies because unlike Blink, mm -hmm. I wasn't planning on save scumming it. Oh, yeah. Which I did for Sekiro. What a freaking fraud. <laughs> did he really deserve it? I don't know. Yeah. No, Um. but yeah, I, I kind of want to go start to finish. I know where things are at this point, so that'll help. 
Um, there's been a lot of changes, like I said, to the scaling of different items. I think they nerfed um, some of the blood weapons a ton. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll play through that one. That should be another 30 plus hours. Um, so that should probably clean up what I want to eventually be able to talk to in top 10 games of the year. Okay, good stuff. Uh, so for me, a couple things. I'm going to continue playing Nexamon, of course, mm-hmm. as I imagine you will as well. Yeah. I'm going to continue working on Assassin's Creed Valhalla in the background, but that's not going to be like my primary focus. So there are two games that came out this year that, well, there's a number of 2022 games that came out this year that I, I want to get around to playing. But to your point, there's just, I felt like November felt like five and a half minutes and we're already like knocking on December's door. Yeah, I feel like I lived three or four days in yeah, November. It, it's just it. gone by so fast. So, um, and as we'll get into at the very tail end of the show, when we start walking through when certain episodes are going to release. I mean, our game of the year episode, we're going to have to have our list like solidified in like three and a half weeks, you know? Yeah. So we don't have a ton of time. Nope. Um, and so two games that I, one I've just started last night, one I haven't, but I ordered uh, as part of Black Friday. The game I started, and it's going to kind of surprise you, I think, because I did not anticipate getting this game really ever. And that's Pokemon Legends Arceus. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, as I also kind of alluded to earlier in the show, Lauren and I have been trying to get to bed around like 8.39, and we've been going through the office again. Mm-hmm. And so, we kind of just binge a couple episodes every night. Uh, she is going super deep and hard into Disney Dreamlight Valley, nice. uh, that kind of farming sim Disney-like experience that she's been playing and talked about a couple episodes back. And I was playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for a while there, which is really good, but to kind of come down after a long day, that game's kind of intense Yeah. Uh, with the music. I mean, if you're just grinding, it, it can be a bit of an end of the day experience before bed. But, you know, the Xenoblade music kind of goes hard with those electric guitar riffs when you're in battles and everything like yeah. that. And I kind of just want something kind of chill, kind of mellow, but still engaging. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Pokemon Legends Arceus kind of fits that bill, right? I mean, it's not the typical Pokemon experience like Scarlet and Violet, we were going through, you have eight gyms you have to get through. This is the, I believe, Hisu region or Sinnoh region. One of the regions from the earlier Pokemon games, years before you play through it in one of the actual Pokemon mainline games and you're building out the Pokemon or the Pokedex from scratch, yeah. right? So you're going out, you're doing research, you're doing these quests for the professor to find and discover Pokemon and build out that original Dex. Um, so it kind of is conducive to like end of the day, watching the office, running around an open world that's super colorful and alive and just in- incredible background mute. I'm sorry. There's really not a lot of that I stuff, was gonna say. <laughs> but, um, but no, it, it is very conducive to kind of just like the end of the day, kind of relaxing, go out, catch Pokemon, build out this decks. I think the minimal features do well for like are very conducive for watching The Office and having the volume completely down. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's a lot to do. Isn't there... So you're filling out the Pokedex is like kind of the main push for it. But there's also size variations for each Pokemon, right? There might be. I played like 30 minutes last night. Okay. Um, Is that your first start of playing is 30 minutes last night? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I just ordered it. I ordered a couple of things for Black Friday. Uh, that was one of them. And so it just arrived on Friday, right after Thanksgiving. 
Okay. And so I popped it in last night just to kind of get some brief impressions and kind of get a, a taste of it. I watched Pete stream at least eight to 10 hours of it earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, I don't know where this is going to end up, if at all, on my game of the year list, but I just wanted something chill to play at night and a cozy Pokemon game kind of fits that. That's good. So yeah, that's a good one. Um, playing that, we'll see how far I get into it and if it has the potential to make into make it into my top 10 games of the year. The other game, kind of on the complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of its coziness and comfortableness, is Final Fantasy Origins Strangers of Paradise, the chaos game. Oh, okay, chaos game. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really didn't want to pay more. Like $30 was kind of like my bar to clear. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to pay more than that. Got it for $29.99 on Amazon for Black Friday. Um, I installed it into my PS5, haven't started it yet. But this just seems like a really fast-paced Dark Souls game. Nice. So um, I'd really like to... There were two games that I wanted to try and fit in before the end of the year. Really three, I would say. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, which came out earlier this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, That kind of first person, you're in Tokyo, kind of spooky, all the demon type stuff going on. Um, I have it. I picked it up for cheap. I'm just probably not going to get to it because not really in the mood for Didn't it. Didn't you try picking it up recently and playing a little bit and then you, you put it down? I played it for about an hour and it looks beautiful. It's fun. It just wasn't what I was feeling. Yeah. So I'm just going to table that for probably next year. Um, Strangers of Paradise was another one. And then Tunic. Okay. As much as I want to play Tunic and talk to you about it, and I'm sure it would make my its way in the top 10, just not in the mood for that type of game. And I don't want to force it. Yeah, no, that one. Whenever you eventually play it, we'll talk. Yeah. Um, and so Strangers of Paradise, kind of in the mood for that action RPG type of experience towards the end of the year. Okay. Um, so hopefully next time we record, I'll have impressions of that and we'll see if it you know, can possibly make its way into my top 10. Is it the same concept? You die, you have to get, run back and get your resources or... Not sure about all of that. I just think a lot of the upgrading type stuff and certainly the combat itself is very dark souls like okay um it's almost like a code vein type yeah dark souls like yeah uh and i've heard pretty good things like i i haven't really talked to a i think more often than not people have positive things to say about it i mean it didn't look bad it was just kind of a meme yeah where them screaming chaos six times in the trailer yeah but it looked fun the other two things i'll say that I, I, whether they make their way on their list or not i got lauren for christmas um it's kind of a gift to the both of us, if you will, was the Lego Star Wars Skywalker saga mm, yeah, um, for us to play around the holidays. She's also been really wanting to get into Sackboy, a big adventure. Um, so we'll probably play that stuff co-op over the holidays. Okay. So cool. I think the only one that could possibly make its way into the top 10 would be um, Lego Star Wars, mm-hmm. but we'll see. So those are the things I'm, I'm going to be kind of working on behind the scenes, but um, I've already started doing some work and framing up like, what of the games that I've beat this year could possibly make their way in the top 10. And I have like 15 ish games that I'm going to start kind of chipping away at. Okay. I've beaten 39 games this year so far. <laughs> a lot of that though, was just like during the like raccoon season where yeah. I was just Comfort playing food, replaying Spider-Man replaying 3d platformers, like just cozy stuff. Yeah. That's not going to make its way in the top 10. Right. So a lot of my game of the year contenders were really played like June timeframe on. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I'm falling. If I can beat the remainder of what I want, maybe 11 games 
beat and that's unique to like not other years so that's like not including i beat sekiro mm-hmm. which i've beaten before or i i platinum spider-man uh, so that's not including those these gotcha. are unique got non-talked about games but good stuff i mean and that's kind of where i'm at too um i was getting worried around like late october like i just this is gonna be a difficult year for me to build out my 10 yeah just because i felt like the first five months of the year were just kind of null and void given everything we were going through with the house. Yeah. Um, I, I think the only new one you'd probably have played would be Horizon right at the beginning of the year. But besides that, yeah, not too much. And Elden Ring, but I never really finished Elden Ring. And I mean, I put 40 hours into it, but putting 40 hours into that game is like putting 40 hours into RuneScape. I was going to say, I didn't fight a first boss until I was 10 hours in, just yeah. running around the map. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, still a lot of great games to play. Still a lot of nose down thinking about the top 10 chipping away at it and figuring out placement so a lot of work to do in that regard but i can't wait to keep plugging away at it yeah so some great games to still play and i think we have some impressions down the pipeline too uh, for some of these 22 games that should make for a fun time but ron what do you say we kind of transition things a little bit here start thinking about the jeff Keeley annual game awards i'm game for that always a fun time I haven't heard a whole lot in terms of rumors about what to expect, gameplay reveals, mind-shattering moments. Have you heard much in the Rumorville space? I think the only main thing that I've heard some, I guess, that has some merit to it would be Elden Ring DLC, Mm, which would be a good place to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you're going to get another FromSoft game announcement. Yeah, it'd be tough. I think for the DLC, they've actually dug into the code to see there's like 52 new boss slots with unspecified descriptions actually in the code currently. Okay. So it looks like they are preparing the code for it. Um, So that would be kind of the one that I would kind of expect because it has been what since March since we've actually had heard anything besides just regular patches. Yeah, I think that's probably a safe bet for sure. Um, yeah, to your point, I just feel like there's just too much hype surrounding Elden Ring, I think, to take away from that and to announce like the next Dark Souls type game. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. What, did, what was the name of the game that I told you? At Armored sure. Core. Yeah, Armored Core. That's yeah. the one that I've heard rumors is their next game. And that's kind of like a more off the beaten path. It from is soft series. I don't think that's a I don't think that's as bombshell of an announcement as like what Elden Ring that trailer was last year at the game awards. Yeah. That unless it's a different studio or a different group, hell I'd be happy if they did armor core and then like their next kind of iteration of their, a series Mm -hmm. or IP. Um, I don't know if they do another like new IP. I could see them doing bloodborne too, which is kind of what I want. If they do even bloodborne remastered, I'd love that. Um, PS five edition. But I, I think the safe bet from them is going to just be that DLC. That would be pretty sweet if they kind of, you know, Elden Ring DLC. No, by the way, we do we do have one more thing. Um, Blue Point's been working hard on a uh, Bloodborne remaster. I mean, people would freak out about that. Yeah. Like that that would still get everyone just the juices flowing. Oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> the Yarnum juices. <laughs> the Yarnum juices. <laughs> gosh, I love <laughs> I love my Yarnum juices in my the morning. That's right, with my cup of coffee. Uh, can't beat it. Um, do you take yep. your Yarnum juice as black or do you like a little creamer? I like a blood vial or two in there as my creamer. So, okay, good uh, stuff. Um, yeah, so I think El- the Elden Ring DLC is probably safe bet. I feel like 
there has to be a Nintendo bombshell, right? I mean, we already got Tears of the Kingdom. Next Mario, the maybe? It's not going to be like a Mario Kart because they're already doing all the DLC maps. Yeah. Um, we have Zelda, which I don't know what more that they can show us without being spoilery. An Odyssey 2 announcement would be pretty sweet. I'd be game for that. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know historically. Like, I don't remember when Odyssey was first announced, if that was a Game Awards or if that was like a Nintendo Direct or, or, or what that was. I just feel like... Like, I originally was kind of tossing around the idea in my mind, like, oh, maybe they do Metroid Prime 4, but I feel like that is just so far out there in the ether. Like, no one knows when that game's coming. It's been rebooted. It's changed development teams. It's it's kind of in development hell and has been for a while. Um, I still feel like there's the possibility that a Metroid Prime 4 trailer's dropped, but I don't know. I feel like a, Mario, a 3D Mario announcement would be pretty wild. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I feel like they'd want to do that on their directs. Probably. Um, but I mean, the stage but this for is, Game Awards? Yeah, like, it's, uh, the stage is so big, you're getting a bigger audience yeah. of people who tune, on, on, tune in on YouTube. I mean, year over year, I mean, it's, it's marketing-wise. The, the millions of numbers that are increasing year over year tuning into this yeah. is so significant, and just the number of streamers and people reacting to it. Like, I don't know. I, I think a bo- that would be huge for Nintendo, especially as... I mean, it has to happen, right? We've talked about it umpteen times over Q1 of next year. They have to either full out reveal or release their next iteration of the Switch. And I think teasing the reasons why we should start getting excited about that now would make sense with a 3D Mario game. We know Metroid Prime 4 is around the corner. Tears of the Kingdom Kingdom has already been has a release date. Um, But beyond that, I feel like the pipeline for Nintendo is pretty unknown at this point. Yeah, besides Zelda, I that's really the main thing. Do you know if for these like game awards slots, if it's like a Super Bowl commercial, do they pay the actual like awards to be featured? Is that how that works? I think Jeff Keighley is a busy man behind the scenes calling up Miyamoto and saying, "Yo, bro, show got, me what you can get. We'll get it in there." Yeah, you got anything thing. this year to kind of like drop on the game awards? Okay, so it, it's so we're theorizing that it's kind of like a premiere to be on game awards, but it's not paid like a Super Bowl commercial. Like they, I don't have to pay you $2 million for your 32nd time slot to get my game, my uh, indie game. In I'm there. sure hundreds of thousands of dollars are being tossed around behind the scenes, but the details of which I, I have no idea. Okay. You yeah. don't know from your uh, time, well, let me <laughs> your, your endless wisdom in the I'll industry. Shoot, <laughs> I'll shoot Jeff a text and see if he okay. gets back to me before we finish the episode. Yeah. I, I can't really think of anything. I mean, Xbox, we know of a few things coming down the pipeline, but they're they're far out from. Yeah, I don't think it makes sense. I mean, the only thing that I think could possibly be shown on the Xbox Starfield. side of things, I don't even think Starfield. I think they'll probably do another final showcase like in the spring before that game would potentially release like in July or something like that. Um, I think the only possible drop would be an Avowed trailer. Mm, Avowed would make sense to me at the Game Awards because it's not so big like a a Fallout 5 announcement, but it's also bigger than some little indie title too. It's it's a big blockbuster, first-person RPG. I feel like it would make sense for them to tease something Avowed-related there. I'm trying to think. Avowed is... The only trailer that we've seen for that is that one where they shoot that arrow, that magic arrow. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's been, what, a year at this point? A it, while. Yeah. It, it's been a while. Maybe a year and a half. 
I would be. I thought we were going to see something before where we're at currently, maybe in the summer for Avowed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was my prediction for that, but I was very far off. Um, I would love that game. I'm excited for that one because that that'll be the next big RPG before the next Skyrim or Elden Ring. Yeah, the only thing I think is probably a guarantee in lock would be a trailer for the next Star Wars game, the Jedi Survivor or whatever it is. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like that's a very big possibility i think the the previous things we're talking about like a mario odyssey 2 even avowed might be a pipe dream i don't know i just don't know like are we still in the COVID hangover right like are these development teams still recovering from the pandemic i think there's probably some of that in there but i mean i just don't know what is safe to expect from the game awards at this point because last year to expect something like like coming just out of the pandemic right after 2020 and you know in the fall of 2020 there's some lag to it there was and so i feel like it's 2022 the year where we start getting over that hump i feel like that excuse is they can't use it like they've used it previously for either it's not as polished as we want or whatnot um at least my interaction within like it's a totally different industry but like working with japanese companies i don't hear a lot of Besides supply chain lags for a completely different industry, as far as like COVID shutting stuff down, I mean, there's not a lot of Chinese developers that we buy games from. I think it's more Japanese or European or American companies. Um, I don't think that's an excuse that they can use anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's either you're off schedule and you need to push it because of polish or you want to put out a good quality game or... It's just a game is there mismanaged or something. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where we're at yeah. at this point, especially going into 2023, where it's been somewhat over for the last year or at least eight months or so. Yeah, in the the height that it used to be. Okay. Yeah. Well, curious where everyone else is at. What are your hopes, dreams, expectations? You know, are you shooting for the stars with an Odyssey, Odyssey two, or are you kind of just expecting, you know, maybe maybe a new Star Wars trailer and you know Jeff Keighley gets kicked off the stage or something like that. Uh, It's tough to know. Yeah, it is. It's tough to know. But Ryan, next thing I want to do is just kind of quickly click into some of the 2022 nominees. I think last year you and I picked like 10 of the categories and chose what we thought for each and all that kind of stuff. I just kind of want to have some fun with this kind of off the cuff. Okay. Click into some of these and what we think might win. Sounds good. Here live on the show. So let's start with um, maybe a fun one here. Most anticipated game of 2023. The nominees are Final Fantasy 16, okay. Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Starfield, and Legend of the Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. What is your most anticipated game on this list and what do you think is going to win? Mine is probably Hogwarts Legacy. Yeah. Um I've always wanted to be a wizard. Mm. So, being able to play it out, um I played a bit of the first Lego Harry Potter on switch sometime this year, maybe a couple months ago. Uh, but to have a game that looks as polished and as beautiful and as realistic as being within us, I think it is Hogwarts, right? Cause it's in the title being able to explore those hallways. Like I did in the Lego version. I mean that the Lego Hogwarts is built out to like an extreme. Mm-hmm. Like I was surprised. And I mean, from everything I've seen from this game, it looks great. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, do you think that's going to win or do you think it's going to go to a different game? I feel like the controversies around it will probably bring down its ability to be nominated mm-hmm. and like try to keep peace. 
um, with fans and like the people actually voting. Just all of it. Yeah, yeah just all of that fun stuff. Uh, Final Fantasy. I, I want to say it's between probably Final Fantasy and Zelda. Yeah, see, I think it's probably between Starfield and, and Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I don't know. It's, it's I, yeah, it's I, tough to know. Starfield, I don't know. I, I I think because we're not super excited about it, I want to put that on everyone else, which I know is not true. I'm sure some people are ex- like really freaking jazzed for Starfield. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. And then Resident Evil Four, that game's been out before, so mm-hmm. it's I don't see that one getting it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think Tears of the Kingdom is probably the, like the most logical answer yeah. that'll probably win out of this list. For me, Hogwarts Legacy and Final Fantasy 16 are kind of right there for that number one spot. Um, I'd probably, I'd probably say Hogwarts Legacy as well. Yeah, um, can't wait. Final Fantasy 16. This will probably be the first Final Fantasy that I actually play. Well, All make, the way to completion. That would make sense because you just signed a contract before we brought you on for episode 150 that you were going to play Final Fantasy 13. I think I also s- signed in blood that I'd play Resident Evil 4 if it ever came out remake. So You did. <laughs> I did at that announcement. So You're going to be a busy man next year. I am. Um, okay, well, let's keep moving down the list here. Let's click into Best Indie Game and see what nominees we have here. Neon White. I know a lot of people um, in the community were playing that earlier this year. Norco, which I've never heard of. I've never heard of that one, no. Stray, the cat game, cat as it's game. also known. Tunic. The fox game. That's right. <laughs> and Vampire Survivors. The vampire game. The vampire game. Yeah. Very um, uh, one-dimensional games with just animals and games. Yeah. Uh, vampire Survivors, I mean, a lot of people were saying that you can't talk about Game of the Year without also talking about Vampire Survivors. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people were playing on their Steam decks. It's kind of this top-down... I don't even know, just mowing down waves of enemies type of thing. I'm speaking completely without any experience playing it, so I can't talk confidently about it. I can't even know. I can't even draw any gameplay. Like, I don't know if I've seen much of this at all. From what I've seen to this point with with these five games, and I guess what I haven't seen also, I think this has got to be between Tunic and Neon White. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, if Stray Stray's been elected for so many different things, and I don't, I haven't played through it, so I don't know if it's justified. Well, we'll get I think, to that here soon. I think Tunic is the one that I see winning this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Blink. I think this is either his game of the year or like top two. Mm-hmm. I, I think he knows what he's talking about. So I, he, sometimes, sometimes he does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think on this one at least, he yeah. he has. He's smart. Yeah. And uh, we can go with that. Okay. So Tunic, uh, probably the one that's going to win. Best role-playing. This has got to go to Pokemon Legends RCS, right? <laughs> uh, we've got Elden Ring as a nominee. Okay. Live Alive. Live a life. Live your best life. I, I'm trying. <laughs> um, that, that, that is the subtitle <laughs> yeah. for that one. Uh, Pokemon Legends RCS, yeah. Triangle Strategy, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Love that Xenoblade Chronicles getting some love. Yeah. You don't see that much on a list. Yeah. Um, I think this is Elden Ring. Yeah. Pokemon Arceus. I know they changed it up. So I, I think that's going to get some good votes. Triangle Strategy, even though it was kind of in the style of Octopath, I know the gameplay was so different. And like, even for Rick, uh, my old college roommate, he was playing. He said it was just brutally hard. Mm-hmm. Like in Octopath, you can grind out. But yeah, I think that's easily going to Elden Ring. I think so, too. 
Um, I'm looking for best narrative. Is that somewhere? Yeah, there it is. Best narrative. We've got a Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and Immortality, which heard a lot of buzz around Immortality, haven't played it, don't know much about it. Yeah, same here. I'm not sure. Um, what do you think about this one? I didn't play Plague's Tale. I know you liked the first one. I did. Crap and this on. this is a reminder. This is for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. I want to say probably Ragnarok versus Horizon. I, I think it'd be between those two. I think Elden Ring falls. Even though there is more narrative, it still falls into that you're going to have to read item descriptions. So I don't think it's going to win that. Uh, Plague's Tale is probably high up there um, with the amount of praise that that franchise gets. But I, I'd have to say even just coming out within the last couple of weeks, God of War is going to win. I would say the same thing. I, Horizon Forbidden West, we'll talk about it when we get to Game of Year talk, but I just kind of felt like the story was kind of weak. Maybe I mean, that's just me. It, maybe it's because it's overshadowed by Elden Ring a week later and Horizon's just been, in general, first and the second overshadowed by games in a similar launch window but yeah it's i i want to say i like the first one narratively because it, it the mystery behind what the hell is actually happening opposed yeah. to furthering it mm-hmm. to like trying to up the ante to yeah. make it compelling it, it's really hard to do especially with the robot dinosaurs everywhere yeah no i kind I, of more of the same i would tend to agree let's do a couple more here let's get into one of your favorites um Best esports coach. Nice. We got Andre B1AD3 Hordoneski. A hell of a last name. Matthias Bizaika Tarasconi. Eric Doombros Sandgren. <laughs> Robert Rabin Dalstrom. Go score Dong Bin in Rocky. Of course, Sylvester Stallone in the uh, popular <laughs> Creed franchise. Um, who are you going with on this one? I'm going with Dune Bros. Okay. <laughs> Dune Bros definitely seems yeah. like the, the logical. Or what was it? Matthias? Um, Matthias. Matthias. That's also a really cool name, but yeah. I think Dune Bros. Okay. Wins it out. Okay. Okay. Vote going for, for Dune Bros. Let's. Um, Is there best farming simulator? Best simulation strategy game. Okay. Let's go let's with that one. Let's look into that one. Dune Spice Wars. Didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know they had a game for that movie. Mario plus Rabbids Sparks a Hope. You love to see this here. Total War Warhammer 3, mm. Two Point Campus, and Victoria 3. That's probably going to go to Warhammer. Yeah. I think um, I think it could. I'd love to see Mario and Rabbids get a, a, a win get here. Some though. love. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let, let's rattle off a couple more of these. Best score in music. We've got A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Metal Hellsinger, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Again, this is for outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed soundtrack. I, I'm i just going to throw my hat here in, in the ring here. I hope Xenoblade Chronicles 3 gets some love. I mean, that music is so good. I don't care if you've played the games or you haven't. Like, listening to those soundtracks, holy moly, come on now. I mean, for the time I've played with both 1 and 2, it... It does have really good atmospheric. God of War, the only one song I remember from that game, I, I really loved it. We've listened to it on repeat. Was it Blood Upon the Snow? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've listened, listened to it like 30 times. 
But besides that, I can't really remember any of the music. It's pretty quiet game wise. Mm-hmm. Um, Elden Ring, those boss themes are the same quality that they've had through the entire series. Um, I doubt they're going to win. Um, well, I'm just thinking of like a Ludwig from Bloodborne, like how fantastic those orchestrals are. But yeah, yeah. I'd love to see it go to Xenoblade Chronicles 3, but I could see it go into um, to Elden Ring mm-hmm. or God of War 2. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. Is there a lot of music in Plague's Tale? It, the music in the first game was great. Okay. I mean, certainly complimentary to the the time frame you were in and I mean, where you were at in France. Like, it's just, okay. Oh, yeah. This is you know, Paris. This is great. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm surrounded by a plague of rats. But yeah. <laughs> Music's the last thing. Other last concern. Um, best perf- let's do best performance and then maybe game of the year. Okay, sounds good. Best performance, we've got the wonderful Ashley Birch for Aloy in Horizon Forbidden West. We've got Charlotte Charlotte McBurney in A Plague Tale Requiem. I assume she plays the main protagonist, Amicia. We've got the beast of a man, Christopher mm-hmm. Judge. God of War for, of course, voicing Kratos. We've got Man Engage for her um, role in Immortality. I don't know what this game is, though. Yeah, me neither. Uh, and then we've got Sonny uh, Soljic for God of War Ragnarok. He, of course, voices Atreus. And he looks so old in that picture. He does. I, he's gone through puberty hard. So, yeah. like, I know there's within some of the dialogue between Atreus and Kratos throughout the thing, he's talking about, like, Dad, am I ever going to have a beard like yours? And Kratos is just straight up, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... If he come, Atreus comes back and has like a full beard in the next one, if they even have a, another one, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I say Kratos. He, he's he did a fantastic job. Yeah, me like t- just the portrayal of emotion throughout, like coming off the first one. I would love he to deserve see, some love. I agree. I'd love to see him win, especially because if you go back and li- listen to or watch the Raising Kratos documentary. Um, of course, this was specific to the 2018 game, but a lot of like the interviews of Christopher Judge, and he talked about how when he did Stargate Atlantis or Stargate SG-1, um, he was he missed like 10 years of his kids' lives or lives. Mm-hmm. And so his role as Kratos, especially in that game, I would even say even more so in this game, was very much a... Um, I think he said like a love letter to my kids. A love letter to his kids. Yeah, thank you. So um, I'd love to get... I'm sure he'd get emotional if he ended up winning that award and... Um, I mean, he got really emotional in that documentary, just talking about it. And I guess when you get the Blades of Chaos in the first game, he like, spoiler, it's been out for like, what, five years at this point? Four years. Yeah. Um, When you get that, they actually do a mocap, like him actually going like what he had to dig into and like him not seeing his kids was like what he dug into to like actually cry to get that performance. Mm. So like he, he deserve. I don't think he won for 2018, but I th- he deserves it for this one. I agree. I think it was the actor who played the red dead redemption two guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to compete with. Um, all right, Ryan, we've got the final award that we'll kind of talk through here. Game of the year nominees <laughs> are, and again, this is recognize a game, recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. We've got A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. One game is not like the other here, Ryan. Yeah, 
No. Uh, I, I think Tunic deserves it far more than Stray does. I agree. And it's interesting, right? Because I've played Stray, but I haven't played Tunic, and you're the opposite. Where you've played Tunic and you haven't played Stray. I'm really curious, once you get around to going through Stray, I'm sure you'll you'll probably feel that much more about Tunic deserving a spot here. I enjoyed Stray. I went into it with pretty low expectations and I walked away after playing it for about an hour. I was like, oh, okay, this is Stray. Mm-hmm. And after that first hour, I never felt any different throughout the rest of the game, really. It kind of just this kind of the same thing. It doesn't really reinvent itself along the way. And I don't really necessarily think it has to because this is, again, a first debut indie outing by this team. They capture this, the cat physics perfectly more better than probably any other game to this point. But I just don't think there's that much of a fun game to play there. Yeah, I mean, I could see that winning indie title game of the year, but Tunic is considered indie, right? As of course, well. yeah. So then I'd say Tunic over Stray, but I, I don't know why it's on this list for game of the year. It doesn't seem... It, it takes two makes more sense as a game of the year indie game than Stray does. Or Hades, for that matter. Or Hades. Hades deserved it because that game was fantastic. Um, but cat game simulator eh. it's just a very bizarre <laughs> it's, it's weird. to be sitting along the likes of Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden West yeah but uh, it is what it is uh, I think I mean to me this is between Elden Ring and God of War I think so too um I I'd, I'd want Elden Ring to have them win Sekiro which deserves it um it's that's a masterpiece and then have Elden Ring which is the most anticipated game two years in a row and like it like broke the internet and like gaming channels everywhere mm-hmm. when we got the, not the reveal so much, but like the actual gameplay. I think that was, I guess it came out earlier, like middle of last year or end of last year, maybe Game Awards last year, where it said, hey, it's coming out in a couple months. Mm-hmm. Be ready. It's just, it was a phenomenon. It was. Yeah, it was. My only hope is if Elden Ring is to end up winning Game of the Year. We need to bring our pals Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez back <laughs> to talk about all of those times they were playing Tekken, not Tekken, the you know, popular arcade fighter, but Tekken between shoots of the Fast and Furious films. And so they can joke about the, you know, the pretend gamers that they are. I mean, Vin Diesel actually is a gamer. I think he's, uh, they put him in a game. They put him in Ark. Yeah, right? I think he's played like Ark for over a thousand hours, but we just need that back and forth uncomfortable banter between those two. Before they announce. And the weird pronunciations of Japanese words. Yeah. They definitely. Sekiro. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, ah. They definitely. Diesel, you're very much not Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> you're a bald, muscular steroid dude. So chill out. Yeah. And watch him like tower over Miyazaki. It was just funny. Yeah. Um, I, I think Elden Ring is probably the, the one to win this award, but uh, I don't know. I would not be surprised if God of War wins. If anything else wins on this list, I would be surprised. I was going to say, if they have Stray beat Elden Ring or God of War, I think people would freaking riot. I legitimately think people would start booing. They, I think so, too. I They'd be like, either this is rigged or I don't know. The internet would be a shitstorm. If it, it would take into, yeah, you definitely question like, what the hell's actually like, how much did Stray's development team pay to get extra first. is this another golden globe situation where they read the wrong movie like they invite yeah, the whole team we're up. just kidding yeah. stray sounds like elden ring <laughs> yeah um 
Wow. Well, I'm so excited. I'm sure maybe you can come over that night. We can pop some popcorn, have the Mountain Dew ready, watch the Game Awards. It's always fun. I'll probably be watching uh, Pete Dore react mm-hmm. and stream his thoughts uh, over the course of the entire ceremony. It's it's always a good time. We we get super hyped up and they even they never meet our expectations, right? But that's just part of the fun of these types of things. Hey, as long as they come close, I mean... Just set your expectations low enough and you'll always be happy, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, what, what, what Gandhi. Was? I yeah, think Gandhi said Gandhi, that's, <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, well, as we come to the close of the show, I do want to kind of just tee up the next couple of episodes that Ryan and I have in the pipeline. Uh, next episode, in a couple of weeks, we'll be back for our Christmas special already. Can you believe it? I kn- so, I don't know what your take on Christmas music is. When is a reasonable time to start playing seasonal Christmas music? I'm not one of those people that has like until this happens and I eat my masterful like bite of Thanksgiving meat, you know, can I start listening to Santa Claus is coming to town. But for me, I think it's kind of like, okay, this year we were hosting Thanksgiving. So Lauren and I did not put our tree up until the day after Thanksgiving. And I felt like that was okay. We turn on home alone. We listen to some Christmas music. That's a good place. There's some people that like, as soon as they give their last piece of candy to kids on Halloween, it's like, all right, get out the Christmas story, get out Frosty, like we're playing the Christmas tunes. Yeah. I think that's excessive. It's your month before me, if you're playing Halloween, you're going hand out candy and then immediately into Christmas. I think December 1st is like a good, you're in that final three weeks of before Christmas and that's mm-hmm. a good time. My my gym at my apartment complex started playing Christmas music in the gym and like when Santa baby comes on, when you're doing like a bench press set, it doesn't really stir up those like, let's get jacked and put more weight on. It's just like, let me get some hot chocolate and some eggnog and like not do cardio. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fair. Give it another week. We'll be there. But okay. it should be a fun episode. Yeah. So that will be our memory of Melody Christmas edition where Ryan and I are going to bring five songs to the table, reminisce about Christmas and the holiday season. And just listen to some great tunes from video games that remind us of the holidays. So that'll be really fun. And then this year, because our game of the year episode last year was, I think, four hours and like seven minutes or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. A lot of that was the, of course, slapping OST medley that was like 32 minutes long that I put together. That was great. But because I think we had a giveaway, we incentivized people to write in for their game of the year stuff. We got 15 emails. And if you're new to Otaka Brothers, we have some listeners that tend to write in some like War and Peace novels. Yeah. Right. And so (laughs) after Ryan and I talked for like two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes straight about our game of the year stuff, I then had to read 15 Lord of the Rings novels at the tail end of that episode. And you lost the ability to read, which I I totally empathize with. speak, form sentences. Yeah, it was speaking Spanish after 15 emails in English. It it was wild. So what Ryan and I are planning to do, depending on the level of participation this year from our listeners, we're going to split our game of the year special, talk about our 10 games. Then a couple of weeks after that or a week after that, we'll do the community game of the year special where we'll, of course, still talk about the games we've been playing recently, our normal segments. The back half of the show, we'll talk about, we'll read through all the community emails and that is when we'll fade out the show with the medley. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's going to be bigger. It's going to be grander. It's going to be better. If you want to find out all of the finer details of the award category, award categories that we're going to have for our game of the year special, 
go to the Discord, click the link in the show notes under the community game of the year, whatever that tab is in our Discord. I spit a ton of the details, all the details you need to know of where to submit your email, when you need to do it, and how you can possibly win a $20 eShop gift card. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, again, bigger and grander than next year, or than last year, I should say. And I can't wait to do it. Yeah, it should be a ton of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So get in the Discord to learn all the details of that. Ryan and I, like I said, will be back in two weeks to talk through and share and listen to some great Christmas season songs. I can't wait to do it. But it's been a few weeks. It's been a few months Mm -hmm. since as we come to the tail end of every episode that I've been able to kind of toss the baton to my forever co-host and ask him if he has any parting words or fun facts for the listeners. So Ryan, I'm actually go downstairs and watch some of the football games. He's going to give you a month's worth of fun facts right now about the next, what do you say? 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Let's, let's break down all the lore and Elden ring first, and then we'll get into a few facts. About okay. North but all, in all seriousness, do you have a fun fact for the listeners this week? I do. Originally, if we were, we were going to do a spoiler cast of uh, God of war, I was going to do some Norse mythology, but we'll get into that when we do the spoiler cast. Um, it's kind of like a news segment. So I, I watch a lot of YouTube. It's mainly Minecraft watching other people build because I'm less architecturally inclined than they are. Um, but there was a a sponsor on a lot of these YouTube channels, established titles. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's where you buy a plot of land, like a foot by foot uh, plot in Scotland and they plant a tree and then they give you the ability to use the title of like Lord and Lady. Mm, as like a gag gift so this is kind of preemptive if anyone is thinking of buying that as a gag gift for christmas it's actually kind of a scam which came out in the last couple weeks oh um that they don't actually plant a tree which is advised they without any data to back it up say they donate some money to like a tree company and then you actually can't like use the land in Scotland. So you can't actually legally claim the title of Lord and lady. So it's like, so are you saying that 20 years ago after return of the King came out, my mom gave me a certificate for owning all of Hobbiton is false. Pretty much. Yeah. Damn. You got scammed hard. So come on. Maybe next Thanksgiving don't invite her. Yeah. You don't, you didn't let me in Hobbiton. You're out of my little Hobbit hole. Jeez. But yeah, so that's a thing that just came out a couple of weeks ago, like the actual shell companies and everything that they're not actually doing what they said and it's not transmissible. So yeah, be aware. Don't buy, uh, don't become a Lord and Lady. Can't trust anyone these days. No. But you can trust us that Ryan and I will be back in a few weeks with yes. more Otaku Brothers and we can't wait to do it. So as I said earlier, get in the Discord if you're not already there. Make sure you participate in the Game of the Year stuff. It's going to be super fun and Ryan and I cannot wait to get behind the mics in a few weeks once we've gotten our list of 10 games, honorable mentions, and everything goes in between it and talk about it for probably three or four hours. It's going to be good times. But until then, do me a favor and keep playing the great video games out there. Try and stay healthy, stay safe, and Ryan and I will see you in just a few short weeks for our Christmas special. See ya. Offers of violence The bear that keeps to his own life 
Nature offers violence. 